Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. Do you remember going to school and uh, getting out of things, or you always had that sneaky kid on the playground that... He would start to say, oh yeah, so uh, let's do this, and, or I'll agree to trade you this right here. And, uh, and ultimately, they would fool you into trading whatever it was, and they would say, and I'll bring you such and such tomorrow, right? But they never did. And then when you'd confront them on it, what would they say? Well, I had my fingers crossed. Those kids would drive me crazy, because most of the time they fooled me. You know, um, it was like, uh, I didn't need to follow through with that promise because my eyes were crossed, my toes were crossed, my fingers were crossed, I was crossing my legs. Whatever it might have been, it was not keeping to word because they found a way out of that, right? And ultimately, there was just a total moment of frustration and a lack of trust after. You would learn not to trust that individual anymore, Right? And that's kind of where we're coming in Scripture today in Matthew chapter 5. Today, people no longer do handshakes. Remember when you could do a business agreement or agree to uh, terms on like a contract based on a handshake? Well, today, a handshake means nothing in the court of law, right? Everything has to be based on paperwork and a signature and a notarer. And witnesses to that notary's signature and everything. Why? Because that's how people have become about their word, about what they say. Nothing's really binding anymore. And even then, if you take somebody to court, they find loopholes and ways to get out of contracts that have been signed and agreed. But listen to what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 to 37. That's Matthew chapter 5, 33 to 37. Jesus says this, starting in verse 33, Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King." Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair turn white or black. But let your statement be, and if I want, I want everybody to say this with me as I read it. Yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond that is evil. Here, just like in verses 21 to 26, We see that, uh, you know, in 21 to 26, Jesus says, hey, look, you know, God said to mankind in the commandments of Moses, 
You shall not murder. Here Jesus does that same thing. He brings in the law of Moses. And he says, hey, listen, you've, you've heard it said you shall not make vows or swear an oath before the Lord. So he does the law, and then he talks about the, the rabbi's interpretation of the law in the next phase. What does he say? He says, but I say to you, you shall do anything to your own head. You shall do it to uh, the, the kingdom. You shall do it to Jerusalem. You can't do it to any of those things because that's how the rabbis would apply things. And we'll see that as we get into it. But then Jesus gets into the heart of the matter and he says, but I want for my people, people that follow me, to be people of their word. When they say a yes statement, it means yes. And when they make a no statement, that it means no. There's no fingers crossed, there's no eyes crossed, there's no playground games. I want you to be people of your word because that is salt and light. Brothers and sisters, when Jesus calls us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, this is the lifestyle that he is choosing for us. To pepper this world with truthfulness. To salt it with, with, with the truth of our mouth. Again here, Jesus in verse 33, let's read it again. It says, and again you have heard the ancients were told you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. He's saying, hey look, the law states not to swear before God and not to fulfill it. We see that in Leviticus 19.12, Numbers 30 verse 2, and Deuteronomy 23.21-23. It talks about the vows that a person makes before God. And he's saying, hey look, you've heard of these vows. That's what the law says. But Jesus is wanting to deal with the heart of man. And He's taking it so much deeper for us. And He says, hey look, and your holy men, your rabbis, the Pharisees, the scribes, the interpreters of the law, they've taken it to a level to where there's loopholes in promises that are made. In fact, if you would, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 15 because we see a lot of Jesus mirroring His definition of what He's talking about and explaining it a little bit more throughout the book of Matthew. In Matthew 15, 1 through 11, we're going to go ahead and read. It says this, Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands, when they eat bread. Now, just to let you all know, they're not, it's not that they're practicing CDC guidelines and things like that, okay? Uh, it wasn't that they weren't washing their hands and that the, the, the disciples were disgusting, dirty-hand fishermen that, you know, they would come from fishing on the boat and all of a sudden they're just popping bread in their mouth. That's not what this is talking about. What they were being approached on was why are they not doing, after washing their hands, the practice of the Pharisees of ceremonial washing? You see, what they would do is the Pharisees, they would do a, an actual hand washing. They would wash their hands for cleanliness, okay? And then before everyone, they would do a spiritual washing. 
And that's what they're talking about here. Why don't your disciples practice spiritual washing? Jesus answers, verse 3, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? He's saying, why do you ignore what God says because you think tradition is more important than God's word? For God said, honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of his father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you, I've given it to God, Corbin. He is not honoring his father and his mother, and by this you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. God's saying, hey, look, you know what you've done? Is you've turned tradition more important than the actual word of God. Your tradition says if you have an abundance, if you have extra, you can go ahead and say, you know what? I've designated this to God, and now it can't go to anybody. And maybe you can use it yourself for the sake of God. But your parents are struggling, and they're, and they're hungry. Or they need a room in your house, but you said, you know what, that extra room in my house, I've designated it to a room of prayer. And while your parents struggle, while your parents can't make it, For the sake of your tradition, you break God's law. How is the love of God inside you? We continue to read. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. He's saying, listen, they teach. They teach their understanding as if it comes from God's words. They teach their interpretation of a rabbi as if it's more important than the Holy Scripture of God. Even to this day in the temple, they'll take what a rabbi has written, what a rabbi has said, The Mishnah, okay? They'll take the Mishnah or they'll take an interpretation of of the scrolls of the rabbis and they'll use that as just important as Scripture. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And after Jesus called the crowd to Him, He said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what enters in the mouth that defiles a man, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles the man. And brothers and sisters, you see, we do that just as much today. Where people will see what a commentary says as more important than Scripture. Or what a pastor says as more important than Scripture. Maybe even if it contradicts. When we should be going rightly handling the word of truth, which is Holy Scripture. God's word spoken to man. Jesus says the holy men were hurting their people without, with outward look. They were doing the ceremonial hand washing. They were, they were doing all the things that looked holy. Oh, you know what? I've designated this land to God. And you know what? It might help my family if I sell it, but I've designated it to God. And he's saying that's wrong. 
You're, you're transgressing. You're, you're breaking the law of God. You're breaking his heart. Because rather than helping man, you're trying to look good in front of man. He says in verse 34 to 36 of Matthew chapter 5, take a look at it with me again as we keep on going. 34 to 36. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of His feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. For shall you make, nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Why does He say that? Well, because the Pharisees had a special way of making oaths they knew they could break. In the times of Jesus, the Talmud, the Mishnah, and, and the writing of the Sanhedrin say that you had certain binding oaths. Okay, There were some oaths that you could break, and there was other oaths that you had to hold to. Okay? And one of them is this. I'm going I'm to tell you and then you'll see it in Jesus' words right here. Because Jesus is actually saying, okay, you've heard the law and you've heard what the rabbis teach, but I'm going to tell you what the truth of it is. He says, the hair on your very head, an oath sworn to your head. According to Mishnah, an oath that was binding is this. I swear to the life by my head. Do you hear that? I swear to the life by my head. So the Pharisees would go around and they'd make agreements to buy a field. And if they saw that the field was bad, okay, or they would, they would go ahead and they would make an oath and they would swear an oath, I swear that I'm going to give you this parcel of land or I swear that we're going to come into agreement, you're going to marry my daughter, whatever it might have been, and they would say this, I swear to my head. But because the wording was not exactly the same, they saw it as a way to get out. Because they weren't saying, I swear to the life by my head. And that's what Jesus is directly teaching against. He's saying, what is the difference by the life of my head and my head? What is the difference of swearing to the gold of the temple and to the temple? What is the difference of swearing to the sacrifice on the altar to the altar? No matter what, you need to be a person of your word, and what you're doing is you're trying to find loopholes to get out of things. You see, the omission of a word was what the Pharisees and the men of the holy day were getting known by. Oh, you know what? You better not come into agreement with them because they find ways out. And that's what Jesus is saying. My people will not become a people of trying to find loopholes. If you're going to be a learner of mine, if you're going to claim to follow me, be a person of your word. Amen? Amen. The other day I went to um, our favorite Colombian bakery. And, um, you know, they have some of the best, you know, empanadas and pan de bono and pan de yuca that is on this side of the States, okay? And you, know, you go to Colombia, obviously it's going to be better, but this is actual food made by Colombians that is amazing. And so I brought one of my kids, and I'm going to let him, that person remain nameless, he or she, 
Okay, just covering all bases so I can thoroughly confuse you guys. And just before we left, that individual looked at my wife and said, can we please get some uh, pan de bono de guayaba? Okay, so they make this ridiculous pan de bono where they stick guayaba inside of it, and it's just amazing, okay? And it is the most sugary, gooey goodness that you could probably have on this side of eternity. And so my wife said, don't bring any sugar home. Exact words, okay? And I just put her on the spot, and now she's thoroughly embarrassed as well. So we get there, and this child of mine, whom I love very much, as we're there, looks up at me and says, Dad, can we please get pan de bono de guayaba? And I said, but your mom said we can't bring any sugar home. Just to stick to the, you know, empanadas and the pan de bono, pan de yuca. We're not getting any sugary stuff. Said no sugar home. And and this individual, he or she, looks up at me and says, yes, but if we eat it in the car, (laughs) we're technically not bringing it home. That's a story for another time, when it's about confessing your sins one unto another. But I looked at that child of mine, and I said, wouldn't that be not keeping our word just because we found a loophole? Kind of like the kid on the playground crossing their fingers, or kind of like what the Pharisees were being accused of here. Hey, you're omitting a word. You're finding a loophole. You're finding a way around when your yes should be yes and your no should be no. That's the interpretation of what God wanted people to do when he said, don't swear an oath that you can't keep. It's better not to swear an oath at all. In Matthew chapter 23, let's just go ahead and go there. Jesus explains this a little bit thoroughly for us, for, for us to understand of what the, the, the Pharisees were doing. Verse 16, starting off, verse, uh, chapter 23. Woe to you, blind guides. Think about that. Blind guides. Somebody that can't see leading someone else. And that's what Jesus is calling the Pharisees. Now, I know that sounds very harsh, but what he's saying is you are not truly seeing the law of love. You are blind to it. And so you're you're deceived yourself and you're leading people in the same deception. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, you're obligated. You fools and blind men. Which is more important, the gold of the temple or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Verse 20. Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. 
And whoever swears by the heaven swears both by the throne of God and by Him who sits on it. You see, what he's saying is, look, you guys have been trying to find loopholes. You're not swearing to the, the sacrifice of the temple, but you're swearing to the temple. What's the difference? Be men of your word. Jesus is saying if you do that, you're acting like a hypocrite before man and God. Let your statement be yes, yes, and no, no. Don't be looking for trickiness to take advantage of people. You see, these people were taking advantage of their position. And what Jesus is trying to build is that people that follow Christ don't take advantage of your position in Him. You know what Christians are supposed to be known for? Their word. And followers of His need to be known for yes, yes, and no, no. James chapter 5 gives us almost the exact same wording for us to look at and understand. And it really explains why Jesus is talking in this way. It explains the why we should be yes, yes, and no, no. James chapter 5, verse 12. But above all, my brethren... Do not swear either by heaven or by earth with any oath. But your yes is to be yes, and your no, no, so that you don't fall under judgment. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Be a person who means what they say. Now, the word to fall under judgment here, um, we kind of lose it in the understanding here. But the, the, the main writing here, okay, the, the original writing, just to let you guys know, it wasn't written in King James, uh, you know, English, okay, like a lot of people like to claim. It was written in Greek. In the original Greek, it actually is the words es upakretos, es upakretos which literally means to fall into hypocrisy. So that word judgment here actually doesn't occur in the original language. It's the word es upotretos. So you don't fall into hypocrisy. God's not talking about judging you based on your yes, yes, and no, no statement. He's saying so you don't look like a hypocrite. And isn't that what Jesus is talking against in Matthew chapter 5, hey, look, I don't want my people to fall into hypocrisy like the Pharisees who have been living a life thinking that it's all about tradition and cleansing and doing these things and avoiding the law of love. Jesus is saying, I want you to live away from hypocrisy. And that's what James picks up here. He says, hey, look, don't fall into hypocrisy. If people see you living not by yes statements and no statements, but trying to find ways out, you will look like a hypocrite. And you're not just hurting your own name, you're hurting the name of Christ. You're hurting the name of every brother and sister who has ever walked beside you. You're hurting the name of those who will come after you. You know, the worst thing that we ever want to hear is, you know what, I've met a Christian like you before, and if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want any part of it. But instead, what we would like to hear is, oh man, I've heard Christians like you, and I want to know why you guys are different. 
When someone doesn't stand true to their word, they look like a hypocrite is what Jesus and James is talking about here. They say one thing and they do another. You know, the word hypocrite was the word that came from the Greek. And it was the word that was used for actors. Actors used to wear masks and they would become a different person by wearing a mask. And so when Jesus and James are talking about hypocrites, he's saying, you act one way. You act holy. But behind that mask is someone trying to work things out for themselves. For their own benefit. Take off the mask of holiness and just live an inwardly holy life that affects the outward. Psalm chapter 15, verse 4, the second half, it says, But who honors those who fear the Lord? He swears to his own hurt and does not change. We actually see the same teaching in the Psalms of being a yes, yes, and a no, no person. What this is saying is a person that honors the Lord, they make a promise and they follow through even if they regret it later. Even if it hurts to fulfill it. I heard a story once of a man that um, his best friend swore to him that he was going to go ahead and send him through seminary. He said, I'm going to send you through seminary because I know you don't have enough money to do it, but I think that it's going to be important to your life that you go to seminary. So this man paid for his friend, and his friend was Robert Lewis, and if you ever want to look it up, it's a great testimony. He, he sent him to seminary. Well, about two semesters in, he got a, a letter from his friend saying, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I lost my job. They laid me off. But I made a promise to you. And I'm still going to pay for your seminary. There may be some weeks that I might get behind in payments, but I am going to finish my promise to you. And he did. He put his friend through seminary, even though it ended up costing him having to put things on credit card in order to put his friend through seminary. He made a promise to his own pain. You see, that's what Scripture is talking about here. He said it even though it hurt. This is letting your word stand for itself. Living as if you're a person of integrity. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4, it says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Hold on to God's Word. Hold on to the truth. So you'll find a good reputation with everyone. When you live by the statement of yes, yes, and no, no, the person of a good reputation, of good integrity, they bind the truth around them. Oh, but Jesus says, the one that speaks like a trickster, he's not walking 
in the way of the Lord. Take a look at verse 37 of Matthew chapter 5 once again. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no, because anything beyond these is of evil. The actual wording in the original language is of the evil, which we, we know this when, when Scripture talks of the evil. It's actually one of the titles that's given to Satan. It's literally like saying the evil one. It's just like the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, when he says, give us this day our daily bread, but, you know, and it keeps on going and it says, but uh, keep us from evil and deliver us from the evil. It's the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Don't let me fall into the daily temptation and end up being a worker of what Satan wants me to do. Okay, and that's the same thing that's being talked about here. Don't let me be taken in the tricks of Satan and actually start walking like him where I'm making promises that I don't intend to keep. Don't let me try to be a trickster like Satan was and not be a person of my word, Lord. Why is that important? Well, take a look at John chapter 8, 44 and 45. John chapter 8, 44 and 45. Because Jesus says this. Here he's confronting the Pharisees. And he says in verse 44, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, it's a lie. He speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth to you, you do not believe me. The word lie is the word pseudomai in the Greek. And it's the word where we get our word pseudonym from. Okay, A pseudonym is a fictitious name. When you're writing under a fake name. So pseudomai, if you want to put the two and two together, means to give false information or disguise the truth. So it's not literally saying that Satan came up with a complete monster of a lie where he's like, hey, guess what? You got to do this, this, and this, and it had nothing to do with the truth. What was the approach of Satan in Genesis 3 with Eve in the garden? He spoke a little bit truth. Just a little bit of truth so it was edible. And it sounded close enough to what God had said. How did, Je how did he attack Jesus in the desert in Matthew chapter 4? He actually spoke scripture to him out of context. He gave a little bit of truth to try to give enough for us to bite onto. And that's how he works in our life. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, hey, look, I don't want you to be a hypocrite where you're giving enough little bit of truth that people grab onto it. I want you to be people that are away from that and stand on the truth because you're my people. I don't want you to live a hypocritical life. I don't want you to be a person living towards what the hypocrites look like because they're looking for earthly gain. Isn't that what Matthew 6 is talking about? Hey, look, don't be like the hypocrites who, who, who go in the street corners, pound their chest praying, but they're doing it to be seen by men. They've gotten their earthly reward. 
But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's talking about hypocrisy, going towards things of this earth. And that's what Jesus is saying. When you try to trick somebody by your words and you give enough truth, but it's masked with lies, just so you can succeed in life, what are you doing? You're trying to do it for earthly reward. When you're a person of integrity, of honesty, you're doing it looking towards that to come. Why? Because you realize that this earth is not your home. We read on in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, if you would go back there with me. In verses 31 to 35. Because sometimes we feel in reading Scripture like we're on an island by ourselves, don't we? And sometimes we feel, especially when we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, like we can never add up to worthiness of following Jesus. Which, in all honesty, we're not worthy of following Jesus, except by His blood on the cross that was shed to make us holy and righteous in Him. But the beauty of Jesus' teaching is even though we fail a thousand times, a thousand times He forgives us and loves us and shows us grace and mercy. Amen? And even though we might not walk to snuff, we might not be able to be people of solid word and, and really live by exactly what Jesus is saying here, let your yes be yes and your no be no and swear no oaths and, and follow through and everything like that. And we feel like, man, we just totally, completely failed. I want us to look at a guy like Peter. Matthew chapter 26 verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this very night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall scatter. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, and I love Peter, I really do, because, because and, and, and a lot of us, we relate a lot to Peter because he just, he fails so much. He just falls right on his face. He speaks when he should just be quiet, you know? He should wear peppermint socks because, it, you know, he's constantly putting his foot in his mouth. But Peter said to him, even though all may fail, and fall away because of you. I will never fall away. So he's basically looking at the disciples and he's like, man, these guys are bums. They're going to leave you. But look at me, I'm Peter. That's kind of the approach that he's taking. Verse 34, And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, that this very night, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing too. So they all followed Peter's lead, right? Jesus, I promise that if I have to die, I'm not going to leave you. And I won't deny you. And it was that very night as Peter was following by the wayside, trying to be in the shadows, sitting in the darkness, 
After telling Jesus, listen, I will go to death for you. People can't take my, they can take my life and I won't deny you. I would rather die than reject you. That very night, just like Jesus said, take a look at verses 72 to 75. We're going to pick up near the end of Jesus' uh, Jesus's denial from Peter. And again, he denied with an oath. Oh, what did Jesus say about making oaths? I do not know the man. And a little bit later, a bystander came up to him and to Peter, and he said, Surely you are one of them, for even the way you talk gives it away. Man, we could tell by the way you're talking. You've been around Jesus. Oh man, wouldn't that be such a fantastic accusation for Christians? You talk like Jesus. But what does Peter take it? He takes it like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta save myself here. Remember he says, even though these guys reject you, I swear by my life, Jesus, I will not. Even if I have to die for you, I will die. Then he became, he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words which Jesus had said, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Friends, we may never swear against Jesus or say we never knew him. But actions and speech and life can make anyone like Peter look like a hypocrite. Just like Peter, friends, Jesus looks within and it's never too late to start again in Christ. Because you go to John, the very last chapter, Jesus goes to Peter and he says, hey, look, Peter, I know that you denied me, but I want you to tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He didn't care that Peter had denied and, and said, Jesus, I swear by my life that I would rather die than reject or leave you. These guys are going to leave you, but I won't do that. It was Peter. Peter denied him three times, stayed in the distance, stayed in the darkness, why did Jesus reclaim Peter even after he had denied and rejected him and looked like a hypocrite to the rest of the disciples and even in Jesus' eyes? Imagine that. Not being a man of his word. In fact, swearing an oath to the little girl that's accusing him. Because in Jesus' eyes, he saw Peter for his heart. Church, we need to watch over our tongue. Watch over what you say because Jesus says it is to be, in verse 37, yes, yes, and no, no. We need to be people of integrity. But that doesn't mean that when we fail that Jesus is done with us. Jesus wasn't done with Peter, was He? No. He said, Peter, 
You're a small pebble, but upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Peter, you're going to fail me. In fact, he told Peter, you know what? Satan is crouching at the door waiting to jump on you, Peter. But I'm praying for you because after you fail, I want you to come back to me. Brothers and sisters, we will fail. We will fall. But the beauty of grace is that Jesus isn't done with you when you do. Church, watch over your tongue. Let it be yes, yes, and no, no. Not because we want to hold on to things in that way or any of that, but because we want to represent Jesus with our actions. Amen? It's not about a religious swearing or a secret code of rabbis. Let your words be true. Let it be a statement of yes and no. Honor the Lord with your heart. And let everything else follow Him. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.